You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You worked all week. Work, 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 work. You didn't have time to look at your fantasy lineups. Son of a bitch. But don't be afraid. That's why we give you Weekend Fantasy Update. Woohoo! Here are your hosts, Joe Galina, Frank Stample, and Mike Florio. Welcome back to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. Joe Galena along with Mike Florio and Frankie Chief Stampo. Pete Considori producing our show, keeping us flying straight. We were just uh, going over the uh, Jaguars-Steelers game. And uh, let's see, what's the line in this game? You have the Steelers up by 7. It opened at 6 over under is 41 and a half. Uh, what are we thinking about this game in terms of uh, uh, the the spread, guys? I think the Jaguars are going to cover the spread. I think it's going to be a lower-scoring game. Um, like I said, I mean, whenever you see the seven points, it's mm-hmm. always tough. It could end up being a push, could end up being a touchdown. But, I mean, look, th- we're talking about the best defense in the NFL this season. And we've seen in recent years the trend where you know elite defense can stop elite offense. I mean, most notably, the season Peyton Manning had with the Denver Broncos a few mm-hmm. years ago, and they ran in that, into that buzzsaw of a defense in the Seattle Seahawks. So uh, I don't want to doubt the Jaguars. It, it might sound crazy. I think they have a chance to win this game. I'm not going to take them to win, mm-hmm. uh, but I think I could see this being a, a three- or six-point win by the Steelers. Yeah, I'd agree. I think the Steelers went out right. The Jags cover out. Go with the under. Yeah, I'm going 17-13 Steelers win. And I don't think, like, I know the the secondary gets a lot of credit here. We were talking cat scratch fever all game. Mm-hmm. This this <laughs> this defense, I think, goes with uh, with Campbell. I mean, he is so good. They, the fact that they can rush for and consistently get pressure on the quarterback and you can put so much focus on in the secondary, it makes those guys' lives a hell of a lot easier. They don't have to cover for, you know... Four, five, six seconds. It's always usually like get the ball out of your hands, or you know you're getting sacked, and it's all because of Campbell. He he is amazing. Mm-hmm. I will say this: you brought up Leonard Fournette when we went to break. Yeah. And I, I told you two point seven, three point six, two point seven yards per carry in each of his last three games. We'll say the one thing that's safe for him is that at least twenty one touches mm-hmm. in in five straight. Games. So the volumes there depends on yeah. what he's going to do. At, at sixty nine hundred, I mean, you take it for what it is. The Steelers' run defense did drop off a little bit after they lost Ryan Shazier. He's, he's the leader of that defense uh, at middle linebacker there for them. So without him, we saw some vulnerabilities mm-hmm. against opposing teams' rushing attacks. Take that for what it is. I don't think the the Jaguars want Blake Bortles throwing the ball all that much, mm-hmm. but you can't deny, even with the volume that Fournette has got, the efficiency hasn't been there. Are you guys worried about Fournette for next year, the way he fell off this year, and the fact that he's had some injury history while in college? Does that affect how you would draft him next season, season long? It gives me a little bit of pause for mm-hmm. concern, but, you know, I mean, how many guys can you guarantee are going to touch the ball 20 times mm-hmm. every single week? And this guy, when he is out there, is going to touch the ball 20, some games 30 times. Especially so. if Bortles is behind center, too. Yeah. Because, like, we've talked about how... That can only help, though. Like, yeah. if they bring somebody else in at quarterback and yeah. that opens up the offense, that can actually help Leonard Fournette. Mm-hmm. All right, when we come back, uh, one more game to uh, analyze the Vikings are home to the Saints. We'll be right back on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network weekend. Fantasy Update.
Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com slash premium and learn more about our awesome product. And we're back on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. Divisional playoff weekend in the NFL. Uh, last game that we haven't gone over is the uh, Vikings, who are home and taking on the Saints. Vikes are a five-point favorite over the Saints. Uh, originally, uh, the it opened up at four, and the over-under in this game is 46 and a half. Uh, Mikey, what do you think about this game just in general? you think high scoring, lower scoring? or I mean, I mean the, the Saints defense has played a lot better this year, of course, with Marshawn Lattimore leading the way, rookie cornerback. I think these, this is going to be like a dogfight, but mm-hmm. I, I do think we'll see these teams approach around like 20 points each in that range. Mm-hmm. I think that this is the best game of the weekend. Yeah, marquee matchup. I, I think this could be one of arguably the best games of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. For me personally... Whichever team wins this game, mm-hmm. I think goes on to win the Super Bowl. Mm. Wow. So I think that there's a lot at stake in this game. And it kind of sucks that this couldn't have been like a game we got like next week with mm-hmm. it all on the line. But I still think this is going to be a hell of a contest. I have a few of these guys in my DFS lineups. And uh, this is the one game I am super pumped for this mm-hmm. weekend. Yeah, at the start of the playoff run, I kind of like the Saints to go. That's my pick. Playoff. I mean, I, I mean, to the Super Bowl. I mean, they have the running game. They have the better defense now. Uh, a quarterback who's been in the big game uh, and is confident that he doesn't have to carry Head the coach load with that experience. Yeah, he doesn't. Uh, Breeze doesn't have to carry the whole load. You're right. Uh, Sean Payton has that in- experience uh, winning the Super Bowl. That that's the reasons you just said are all the reasons why I give the Saints a slight edge over mm-hmm. and I pick them to be in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But I this one like in the AFC, I was just like, all right, it's going to be New England. But in the NFC, I re- and it was these two teams that I really had to like sit and consider who I think would win if they played. Mm-hmm. Well, I think all three of us kind of agree that AFC Championship game should be Pats against Steelers, right? That's going to be some matchup. Yeah, and I think that's what we're destined for. Mm-hmm. Like Ever since the Jesse James uh, yeah. overturned yeah. touchdown that the Steelers should have won that game, I think ever since that moment, we were destined for Steelers-Pats uh, AFC Championship. Like, it needs to happen. We have to see a rematch of that game. Right. Uh, it was a very entertaining game. I think we need to see it one more time to decide who goes to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I, I agree. I, I think the the, Patri- the Patriots are in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. representing the AFC. Uh, but like Mike, I actually, I said before the playoffs started, I think the Saints win the Super Bowl this year. I think, uh, again, whoever wins this game I think goes on to win the Super Bowl between mm-hmm. between the Saints and the Vikings, which is crazy. We could be potentially be talking about a Case Keenum versus Tom Brady Super Bowl, which yeah. is like you couldn't have more <laughs> polar opposites, I guess, in terms of career mm-hmm. to this point. Um, but I could see this being a you know twenty four twenty one game, twenty seven twenty four yeah. decided by a field goal. Um, but I do think that the Saints win, even you know coming in underdogs plus five in this game. I just think they showed it last week. 
What's crazy to me is that as bad as Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram played last week, they still have a Hall of Fame quarterback mm-hmm. who can go out and make plays. And I think a game that should be close between these two teams, there could be one play decided by a quarterback, and I'll take Drew Brees over Case Keenum in that regard. It's a great point because Brees showed you that, look, you know, I'm fine working in an environment where you know, we're going to rely on our running game and whatnot, but if it doesn't work, I'm there. I'll, you know, I'll take the reins. You showed it last yeah, yeah. week. Yeah. You still get it done. The one thing, though, is the, the Vikings are very stout against the run like yes. the Panthers are. Mm-hmm. Their secondary is nothing compared. Uh, it's so much better than the Panthers' secondary. Mm-hmm. So it's not just going to be where Drew Brees could walk all over them again. Like He is going to have to make the plays and, and mm-hmm. really earn this victory. I, I think Alvin Kamara is going to make a big play in the passing game. Mm-hmm. I think like he's going to catch a screen or whatever and... and Take it the distance, something like that. I think he is a big player to keep an Guy's eye on. Amazing. This. I mean, uh, you know, Ingram last week nine carries, twenty two yards against the Panthers, who have a very good run defense. Kamara didn't do much on the ground, but still found the way to find the end zone. This guy is just like he just knows uh, this this season. I don't think he could repeat the the frequency by which he scores all these touchdowns next year. I think there's going to be a little bit of regression that way. That way, I could be wrong, but uh, this guy's just every week he finds a way to do something to help fantasy owners to help his team. Yeah, and Mike's right about the Vikings defense. I mean, they were second this year in run defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1,337 yards allowed. That's just over 83 yards per game. Uh, 3.7 yards per carry. Mm-hmm. And then they're second in passing yards allowed as well. Right. I mean, 192 passing yards allowed per game. 13 touchdowns to 14 interceptions. So mm-hmm. As a, as a team, as a defense, they had more interceptions, more turnovers than they allowed touchdowns. So mm-hmm. it isn't going to be a cakewalk, cakewalk for Drew Brees. Uh, from a DFS perspective, just talking about the Saints running backs, I know they struggled last week, and I already mentioned that, but we've, we've seen that even in tougher matchups this year throughout the regular season, uh, for example, the second time they played the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Their run defense was still very good then, right. and they combined for nearly 200 rushing yeah. yards and three touchdowns. So, I mean, on any given week, given the Saints' offensive line, given the versatility of their running backs, uh, that one-two punch, they could just go off. It doesn't matter who they're playing. So mm-hmm. I think they're kind of matchup proof, and it's for that reason that I think both running backs on the Saints' side— actually, I will say all four running backs, all four uh, name-worthy running backs in this game, Latavius Murray, Jarek McKinnon, Alvin Kamara, and Mark Ingram— on DraftKings, um, their prices are down, mm-hmm. uh, especially based on what Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara did last week. Right. So I think you have to pounce on that. Um, I have all four of those guys in uh, both of my DFS mm-hmm. Yeah, Both of these two teams, looking at their schedules, though, are extremely battle-tested. Like, I mean, the Saints coming out of the the AFC South, uh, the NFC South, you know just three playoff teams made it from there, so they're very battle-tested. Although they did struggle against playoff teams outside of their division this mm-hmm. season. And week one, obviously, so much has changed. The Vikings did actually give them a pretty big uh, beating. But you look at it, the Vikings, too, they've played a ton of playoff teams this year and have really ran through them. So these are two teams with... I know the Saints have the more experience. I think also, though, for the Saints, getting those big battles early on and, and having Lattimore go up against talent like Julio Jones and Mike Evans only help mature him and speed that process up. So I think both of these two teams are extremely battle-tested. This is going to be a very, very close game. Mm-hmm. I'm going with the Saints because that's who I had picked earlier, but... If I was in like a confidence scale on, right. in this game, this would be one of my low numbers because both of these teams are so closely tested. The game is in Minnesota, so you obviously they have a, a big, a good chance as well. 
It, this is the most fun game of the playoffs. I Any think. of these wide receivers in your uh, daily lineup, Frank? So in one of them, I have Adam Thielen, and in the other, I have Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. And I know Michael Thomas might see Xavier Rhodes, but I just think he's on a different level mm-hmm. in terms of consistency. And lately, too, he's just been, you know, yeah. And you, you see, you see what he brings to the field too. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy can run all the routes. He has amazing hands. Uh, he can he can catch short passes. He can catch intermediate. He can catch even balls down the field. We saw him make a very long catch and run against the Panthers last week. So it was hard for me to decide between Thielen and Michael Thomas because they're in the same price range. So I decided to differentiate and mm-hmm. go with one in one lineup and one in the other. I will say. Uh, I think Adam Thielen does have the better matchup, though, because he's not going to see a cover corner like Xavier Rhodes opposite him. Mm. I Michael Thomas on FanDuel is a lot more than, than the Vikings guys. In one, so I don't have Michael Thomas on either, but in one I have Adam Thielen, and one I have Stephon Diggs. Mm-hmm. I feel more confident about Thielen because I expect him to play the slot the majority of the time, but I would not be surprised at all if they put Stephon Diggs in yeah. the slot at times as well to let him create and get him involved at some time. So... Just differentiating a little bit like Frank did, but I, I'm more confident in Thielen, but we know how athletic and the big playability that's the Was there a big difference has. in price between They're Thielen only and $300 difference, so okay. they're in the same price range. Michael Thomas is like $1,000 more than both. Going back to Ingram and Kamara, you guys did a, uh, a fantasy mock draft. We're, I'm curious, Ingram and Kamara, where did they go? Kamara went, I believe it was either 7th or 8th overall in mm-hmm. the first round, and I think Mike I got, got Mark Ingram at the 2 free turn. Wow, uh, that was first at, at, pick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'll take that value for marking him any day of the week. This is what we do with marking him every year. We say, oh, he's not going to be able to do what he did last year. Sean Payton hates him. They're going to give all the carries to the other running back. And at the end of the year, Mark Ingram continues to get the job done. Mm-hmm. I will say that uh, I picked one spot after Alvin Kamara went. Um, I think I had eighth pick. And if he fell to me, I was going to take him. Mm-hmm. So uh, he went one pick before me. and I ended up taking Melvin Gordon in the first round. Uh, so for what it's worth, I would have taken him. Eighth you were nine. He went eighth. So it, it was mm-hmm. eight and nine. Mm-hmm. So he went eighth, and I, I would have taken him if he fell to me. So the value is Kamara, according to your I would draft. say the value is Mark Ingram because mm-hmm. I got him. No, no, but he has. It, I, I worded it wrong, but people. Oh yeah, yeah. Kamara is going to be a first round pick for yeah. sure people next year. People project Kamara mm-hmm. to be better than Mark Ingram. Yeah. Like he's going to. This is a very early mock. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe by the time you know August rolls around, these guys are closer. Mm-hmm. Maybe marking them closer to like the one two turn. Something like that. But as of right now, the early returns that we've seen is Alvin Kamara is a mid to late first round pick, and uh, Mark Ingram is being regarded more as like a late second, maybe even early third round pick. Any love for Case Keenum or Breeze? I have Keenum in one lineup. I do not have Breeze. Mm-hmm. Keenum was just cheaper. And both of these are tough defenses, but the Vikings do do a lot. They pass to the running backs a lot, like the Saints do, and also they'll get their slot receivers heavily involved. So I think that mitigates the Saints cornerbacks just a little bit. Mm hmm. Yeah, if I had to choose uh, one of the two, Case Keenum is a, a very tad bit cheaper than Drew Brees. He's mm-hmm. 6,100 compared to 63 for Drew Brees. Uh, so if you wanted to choose one of them, I would say Keenum. But again, in my lineups, I have Brady and Mariota, so that's the route I would go. There you go. All right. So we're going to flip the switch. Start talking a little fantasy baseball. Good luck in your DFS lineups and enjoy the uh, NFL Divisional Playoffs. We'll be right back with more. Weekend Fantasy Update on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. 
The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source 24 hours a day. Uh, we're back on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. And we love fantasy football. We start preparing for fantasy football kind of like in June. <laughs> like it gets earlier and earlier every year. Uh, and uh, we're still going to give you coverage of, of what's going on in football as demonstrated by the early part of the show. But I uh, thought it might be fun to take a cold winter's January day and uh, flip the switch, start talking some fantasy baseball. And um, just in general, we're going to go over uh, some of the uh, draft results from the Beat Mike Florio. Everyone's, like, picking on you. What's wrong? The Beat beat Mike Florio fan tracks. Yeah, they're gunning for me. Yeah, they are. But, um, you know, just in general, there are a lot of free agents that are still out there. You know, oh, that yeah. haven't been. It's just been a very weird offseason. You know, Brutal. most of December, uh, teams were signing like middle relievers. And I feel yeah. like the, uh, it's uh, like you're a Yankee fan, Frank, so you, you'll, uh, I, you might agree, you might not. But it seems like the Yankees started this trend where, you know, you build up that that middle relief. Like you really spend a lot of money on it, get a bunch of solid players. Because, you know, part of what you were talking about in your article for the Roto Experts and the trends that, you know, pitchers just aren't pitching deep into games anymore. Yeah, I think this has been a trend for a few years now. Like the Royals won a World Series on the back of this, uh, you know, have your bullpen go, uh, have your starters go five innings and then mm-hmm. get to that, that pen. The Indians made it the next year and, and we saw the Cubs, you know, strengthening that bullpen before their World Series run. So this is the way baseball is going. I wish I remembered the author's name, but I actually read an article on Fangraphs yesterday that stated that, one, teams are starting to realize that free agency really isn't the best way mm-hmm. to build a contender. So that's part of the slow market. And also, like, Scott Boris always waits out and should try to get players, his players, the contracts they want. But in mm-hmm. uh, the, there's been in the last couple of years where players have had to take significant discounts than what we've expected right. they would get because they wait so long. And for someone like J.D. Martinez to say he doesn't care if this holdout <laughs> goes into spring training, I... I think that's a little crazy and a little easier for a hitter to say that than a pitcher because a pitcher wants to obviously start throwing the ball and you know facing live hitters and whatnot. But let's just take a look at some of the the names that are still out there. You mentioned J.D. Martinez is still out there. Uh, Mike Moustakis, third baseman, had a career year last year for the Royals. Uh, His counterpart at first base, Eric Hosmer. I mean, there's some some big bats. You, that, you Darvish, Jake Arrieta. Yeah, I was just going over the bats, but you're right that when you look at the pitchers, I mean, Arietta, like you, you know, you Darvish, um, Alex Cobb, Lance Lynn. I mean, there's some big uh, big free agents that are still out there, and a lot of them are Scott Boris clients. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a slow uh, off season when you know our MLB hot stove is is heating up with Jay Bruce to the Mets and yeah. unfortunately Addison Reed to the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, which, that's breaking news today, right? Which just happened. Mm-hmm. He's looks like he's going to set up for Fernando Rodney. Uh, so, you know, if you're playing in longer 50-round drafts, what I like to do normally is, you know, if you take a volatile closer, which seems like almost every closer is volatile, mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, grab the handcuff, one might say, in a 50-round draft uh, where you don't have pickups. Right. So, you know, if you're drafting a Fernando Rodney, take an Addison Reed, but uh, Mikey, my condolences, because I know you wanted the Mets to really go out and get him. Yeah, but for fantasy baseball purposes, I think that even if you don't draft a Fernando Rodney, if you're mm-hmm. in a deeper draft or whatever, he is a good guy to grab because we all ex- have expected Fernando to Rodney and granted he had a terrible April last year but the final five months of the season he was very strong but mm. we all have anticipated him falling off a cliff he's about to be 41 years old right so they didn't give him a ton of money when they signed him actually believe it or not I'm almost positive Addison Reed is getting a larger contract I believe uh Ronnie was like one year four and a half million with lots of incentives and if that is the case I mean they, they promised him the closer job when they signed him but if he gets off to a slow start, they could make that swap and go to Addison Reed. Absolutely. One year, $4.5 million for Fernando Rodney with a club option for 2019. So and you're it's right. heavily incentive-based. Yeah, and April was brutal for him. And uh, you know, from May on, he had a 2.38 ERA, 52 strikeouts over 45 innings. So for what it's worth, I mean, brutal, brutal April, but he did turn on after that. Yeah, so uh, we talked about some of the... Uh, free agent pitchers that are still out there, and there was a rumor this week. It comes from, like, Frank, you mentioned at the commercial, uh, we were talking uh, off-air, Michael Kay is a pretty reliable source, you know, the Yankee broadcaster. He mentioned that the, the Yankees offered you Darvish a seven-year, $160 million contract, uh, but withdrew it after he didn't accept it after 48 hours. So supposedly uh, the Rangers are in on him, the Cubs, the Astros, Twins, and a, another mystery team. Some are speculating it might be the Dodgers are in on him. Garrett Cole almost got traded this week to the Astros. So it looks like the, the hot stove is heating up a little bit, and- but... I remember reading yesterday that there are offers on the table for J.D. Martinez, but they're around the ballpark of five years, $150 million, and apparently... He doesn't think it's the right value, right? Yeah, he wants Mm -hmm. another 30 to $60 million on top of that, Mm -hmm. and he's just not going to get it. He wants six for 180, something like that. That's what he wants. He's not going to get it. He's he's a great hitter, don't get me wrong, Mm -hmm. but he's older, he's a terrible base runner, Mm -hmm. he's a terrible defensive player, and... Another article on Fangraphs I read, they did a comparison to him and other hitters of his elk with similar numbers and how they've uh, gone the last like five or six years of their career. And if you you know, you know look at those projections and, and kind of extrapolate him for the next five years, he's a roughly around $150 million player. Mm-hmm. So I think eventually, ultimately, I still do think he ends up on Boston. Mm-hmm. And I think it will be around the 150 Maybe they go up a little bit, but I mean... I think the years, too, is a big issue for teams, too, that they don't want... It seems like they're not opting to give out these long-term contracts. I think it's brilliant. I mean, and that was my big issue with the Giancarlo Stanton trade where the Yankees received them. Like, you know, uh, you love the fact that he and uh, Judge could combine for 100 home runs. My issue with the Giancarlo Stanton thing is, let's say in five years from now, when if the Yankees want to move on from him, he's still... You know, has this long-term contract where he could dictate whether or not he gets traded or not. That's my issue with him. But I, I be, get it, but know. I think teams ultimately do need to take on like one or two chances like that. Mm-hmm. And he's a generational talent, and you've you got also him been for, injury prone too a little for, bit. I, I, 
I'm against him being injury prone on that one because mm-hmm. he got hit in the hand once, he got hit in the face once. I don't he's think also those had are... some muscle injuries as well, but he, he has. He's mm-hmm. missed time, but mm-hmm. I think his injuries have been a little bit more fluky than a guy like who pulls his hamstring or whatever. Hey, I'm the Yankee fan. I should be knocking. <laughs> but I, I think it's you got him for pennies on yes, the dollar. That's the key. So that's I don't see key. how you can turn that down yeah. if you're the Yankees. No, no, I, I, I get it. I get it. And I, I'm going to enjoy having him on the team. This year. <laughs> you worry. definitely will. Trust me. <laughs> but when you look at some of the big uh, free agent contracts that are signed this off season, right? You have. Uh, Santana, first baseman uh, Carlos Santana going to the um, the uh, Phillies, right? Three years, sixty million bucks, and then you have uh, Jay Bruce, three years, thirty nine million. So I mean, that's a you know, it's almost like I know that one's a first baseman, one's an outfielder, but it's almost like the Phillies drastically overpaid. I, I actually think Carlos Santana is a. Pretty significantly better player than Jay Bruce. Like, because also you like he's a good OBP guy. He is a yeah, great yeah. OBP and guy, and you play you like to play your points league. So I, that I helps. do. <laughs> I, I know there was a, a baseball writer the other day who compared the two and trying it to. It was make Mark the case. Feinstein, and he got destroyed. On yeah, Twitter as, for as it. he should have, because if you look at all the deeper numbers other than just like counting stats mm-hmm. and stuff like that, like over the last three seasons. Carlos Santana's war is like, and I'm not a big war guy, but mm-hmm. it's like five wins higher than a Jay Bruce. Right. And the estimate right now is that each win is worth about $8 million. So mm-hmm. if you look at it that way, the Phillies actually got a good deal if you compare the two players. Mm-hmm. So this is what it was. It was Mark Feinstein comparing Jay Bruce and Carlos Santana. Bruce turns 31 first week of 2018. Over the last seasons, he's seven seasons, he's averaged 30 home runs, 94 RBIs. 787 OPS. Carlos Santana, 32 in the first week of 2018, averaged 24 home runs, 81 RBIs, and 808 OPS. So you see there's a drastic difference in terms of um, power output, home run, RBIs, being able to drive in runs, but uh, there is also a a 20-point difference in OPS. While Mm -hmm. Jay Bruce is going to slug more than a Carlos Santana, Carlos Santana helps your team because he gets on base way yeah. more uh, and a, a way more rapid pace than mm-hmm. a Jay Bruce does. Also, you know, just overall, from an overall baseball perspective, Carlos Santana is better defensively mm-hmm. regardless of where you put him. Uh, They're both he, bad defenders, though. Yeah, Jay Bruce Very is, is worse, though. Like, I mean, the metrics actually say different. Believe it or not. All right, take back what I said. Uh, but Carl Santana is definitely a better base runner, that's mm-hmm. for sure, than Jay Bruce. I know Jay Bruce is like one of the worst in the league. Last year was the first year since 2013 that Jay Bruce had a war greater uh, over one. Mm-hmm. So last year was 2.7. If he can duplicate that, he is a good buy by the Mets. But mm-hmm. if he goes back to that one war player, then the Mets overpaid. What do you guys, do you guys think that uh, the free agent market is in part being dictated by Next year's free agent market. hundred yeah, percent. I mean, you have look, look at the guys that are that are coming out next year. You have Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, uh, Josh Donaldson, Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Why waste Kershaw? your money now? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Charlie Blackman. <laughs> and uh, and the thing is too about uh, not Blackman and Donaldson, but yeah. all those other guys are still in their mid twenties. Mm-hmm. So you can give a guy a, a eight or nine or ten year deal when he's playing till his age 34 35 season you right. don't feel bad about that cuz that's when the fall off usually begins mm-hmm. you got to give JD Martinez who's about to be 31 years old mm-hmm. you got to give him a, a six year deal you're pretty much saying the last 3 years of that contract are going to be a wash is it right. worth all that money for 3 years when i could wait a year and be in the running for those guys mm-hmm. That's why I think the only way J.D. Martinez, the market, I don't think is going to open up for him because I think the only teams that will go after him hard this year are teams that think they have a legit chance of winning a World Series this year. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'll wait till next year and spend my money then. And right. It should be an American League team for mm-hmm. J.D. Martinez, too. Yeah. I mean, if, if we're talking about dead, uh, bad defense, mm-hmm. he certainly fits the bill. Uh, not only that, 
injury prone too. The guy has only played more than 123 games once in his career. Mm -hmm. So I think it's for all those reasons that we're seeing some hesitancy uh, towards J.D. Martinez. All right. Well, when we come back, we got to take a look at uh, the uh, beat Mike Florio draft in fan tracks. Uh, how many teams were in this, Mike? Fifteen. Fifteen teams. All right. So we're going to go through uh, first round, second round, as many rounds as we could get to point out some of the uh, more interesting picks uh, from this draft. We'll be back with more on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You're listening to Weekend Fantasy Update. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. All right, we're back on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. We're talking fantasy baseball. That's right, it's January, it's cold outside. But we're going to warm the cockles of your heart. <laughs> we're going to take a look at the uh, uh, Beat Mike Florio draft. So first round, there's a 15-team draft. Is it a... 5-by-5 uh, standard. 5-by-5, okay. So number one, obviously... Trout. So you have Trout, Altuve, Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, uh, standard, you know, four. At least that's what it seems like right now. Kershaw went number five. Um, what do you guys think about Kershaw this year? I mean, obviously, you know, pound for pound, probably the best pitcher, you know, in baseball. I'm worried about that back, though. That two years he's had that issue with that back, and maybe it's because I'm an old Yankee fan, and I saw what a, a bad back could do to a guy like Don Mattingly. Of course, he's a hitter, not a pitcher, but, you know, it's still. Uh, he's, Kershaw has spent time on DL with this back issue. Yeah, this is actually something I'm going to be writing about, um, but I've started to look into it. Innings matter a lot more in points or, like, in a, in a points league rather than a roto. Like, mm-hmm. for instance... The two examples I looked at, Marcus Stroman, who 200 innings again last year, and Rich Hill, who was 136. In Roto, Rich Hill was a significantly more valuable pitcher. Mm -hmm. But in points leagues, Marcus Stroman was significantly more valuable because in a points league, those innings that you rack up matter. So in a points league, I'm okay. And I actually currently have Max Scherzer ranked ahead of him, who last year Max Scherzer in a a down year still got to 200 innings. Um, but Clayton Kershaw in 175, those 25 innings to me aren't enough to downgrade him from the number one overall pitcher. Mm-hmm. I still think the elite numbers that you're going to get from him in every category is worth it in a roto league. In a points league where you need those innings, it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mike and I spoke about this a little bit last week, Joe, uh, about how there are so there are more starting pitchers kind of creeping into the first round. It's really that that core four of guys: I mean, yeah. Kershaw, Scherzer, Kluber, and Sale. And just based on you know the workload and the decline in pitching 
stats that we've seen over the past few years that you can really make the case that all four of those guys should be at least borderline first-round picks even later in the first round. So um, I don't really have a problem with Kershaw going in the first round. Five seems a little early for me. Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't do it. But, again, because of the ratios that he gives you, you can't really bash somebody for doing it. You know a guy that people, I think, seem to forget about, and it's only you know second week of January or whatnot, but Madison Bumgarner. Like you mentioned, uh, Sale. You mentioned, you know, Scherzer and and whatnot, and you know, Madison Bumgarner. I mean, like last year, I agree. Yeah, last year, him not pitching as much might have even helped him a little bit because I think the the worry about him coming into twenty seventeen was that the guy had a lot of mileage. He's still young, but had put a you know several years of two hundred plus innings in a row. So this might end up actually helping him a bit. Not just several. I mean, it's six years in a row yeah. before last year of 200-plus yeah. innings. So. Uh-huh. And to me, I have him. I Like, again, I do, I'm do. i starting my points leagues rankings. I currently have him fifth. I agree with Frank, the top four, the elite guys, they're in a tier of their own. Mm-hmm. I have him, though, in the next tier, the next starting pitcher, because he. I think he is a lock to give you 200 innings. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who, believe it or not, actually stays healthy as a starting pitcher. And I know people are going to say, oh, well, he missed time last year, but... To me, it's different than an injury that, like, a Noah Syndergaard suffered, mm-hmm. or, you know, you could pinpoint all the top pitchers that got hurt. He crashed a dirt bike. Right. It's not like, yeah. you know, he blew out his elbow yeah, or something like that. for crashing his yeah. dirt bike. So I, I trust him to be there again at 200 innings. The numbers were declining a little bit, but I still think because of the amount of innings he's going to rack up that I expect him to, he deserves to be right after the elite guys. I would argue even so in Roto. Like you, you said you're starting to do your points rankings, and I get it totally because uh, the innings he gives you, he should be the fifth starting pitcher. But I would argue in Roto, he probably should be fifth too. I mean, even looking at his his rate statistics over the past couple of years, I mean, tw- before last year, 2016, 274 ERA. The year before, 293. Four years in a row of an ERA under three. So while the innings are starting to build up on his arm, mm-hmm. People forget he's still just he's still twenty eight yeah, years old. So yeah. it's not you know he's not even thirty yet. I would argue that in Roto, I, I would still probably have him the fifth starting pitcher. But uh, this is very very early. You know, tentatively, I haven't looked into a ton of uh, yeah. pitchers yet. I I would argue some of the guys who just give you better ratio numbers mm-hmm. and stuff like a Noah Syndergaard, uh, Strasburg, or Carrasco, like those guys, I think are in the conversation mm-hmm. in Roto. Where in points, I think it's Mad Bum then those guys. Are you guys a little surprised, Frank? Uh, Severino went before Bumgarner? I mean, yeah. are you concerned with Severino, the amount of work he had last year? Yeah, and I mean, Mike could speak to this specifically, too. We, we've seen uh, with the Mets pitchers that, mm-hmm. you know... That I don't want to pick on Mike and his Mets pitchers. Yeah, I know. You know, but I'd like example. to, but I kind of feel bad, though. His no, Bills it wasn't just, just the lost. Mets, but... The we, Cubs guys all took mm-hmm. a step back yes, last yes, year. Yes. The yeah. Indians guys, we... I know... Carrasco and Kluber were great, and mm-hmm. Bauer really came on strong at the end. But even so, like early on in the year, they were they were a little banged up, and mm-hmm. they were easing those guys into it. It's right. a it's a thing when players pitchers go deep into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It worries me a little bit. Yeah, as it should, and it's it's not just going deep into the playoffs as a young pitcher. It's it's the innings jump too that we yeah. that we've seen him do. Uh, in 2016, he had close to 150 innings, but then he went. Uh, 193 in the regular season last year, plus what he did in the mm-hmm. postseason, too. So, you know, going deep into the playoffs like that, as great as he was, ERA under three, the consistency that he provided throughout the entirety of the season. The Yankees need him to be that workhorse again. Yeah. But 
me just being a realist, I am a little bit worried about him. As of right now, I'd rather take a mad bum over him. Yeah, I agree with you. And there were rumors, I don't know if they're substantiated, but that the Yankees might even end up going with a, a six-man rotation, right? Well, yeah, if they end up signing a guy like a U Darvish mm-hmm. or bringing somebody else in, they still have that luxury with mm-hmm. Jordan Montgomery. It, it, it's kind of crazy to say. Me and Mike were talking about this last night. It's like, I don't want the Yankees to sign U Darvish. I don't want them to have another long you know, pitcher contract. Uh, I don't know how his game would necessarily translate in Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. Plus, I want to see what Jordan Montgomery can do yeah. over the course of a full season. Like, obviously, you know, U Darvish is a more talented pitcher than mm-hmm. Jordan Montgomery. But I want to see. You also what he have can Chance do. Adams too in the back in the background. No. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, he is lurking. I don't know if. Uh, I don't know. It, it's going to take an injury mm-hmm. for him to to try and get into the rotation. I think, but I, I we could see him in the bullpen at some point. You know, as early as June, July, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Guys like you, Darvish and Garrett Cole, we wouldn't like it going to Yankee Stadium for fantasy purposes, but those guys are much, much, much more valuable in real life than they are in, in, in fantasy. fantasy. Mm-hmm. All right, so then, uh, like I said, Kershaw was number five overall, Charlie Blackman, outfielder for the Rockies, number six. And then you have Trey Turner, number seven overall, first round pick. Now, he was, I don't, wouldn't, I don't know if you call him polarizing, but he was someone that was spoken about I'd a call lot. Him polarizing. And you guys know, I, yeah. I was fading him because yeah. I worried that he wouldn't be able to duplicate the small sample mm-hmm. size that we saw where he was just completely, you know, running all over everyone. But mm-hmm. I think. I'm a believer now. Trey Turner personally. is going. Come. <laughs> March when we're doing drafts, mm-hmm. I think he could be as su- as early as the fourth overall pick, maybe even the third. Mm-hmm. Like I think one and two are, are cemented. After that, I think Trey Turner's in the discussion. Yeah. I mean, look at his number: seventy three games in twenty sixteen, he, he had thirty three steals. And let's just preface it by saying steals are are very very tough to come Six by. Six players last year stole thirty or more. Yeah, six. Uh, last year, ninety eight games, forty six stolen bases. So he, he and he's got some power. You know, he used to have multi-position eligibility. I think this year he's probably going to only be eligible at shortstop. But I think he's the real deal. Yeah, this could be a guy who a realistic season of his. And this is obviously looking at the the most optimistic side of things. If he mm-hmm. stays healthy and he can keep up this pace, but he, I think he could be like a a twenty home run, sixty plus stolen base guy with one hundred twenty runs scored mm-hmm. and around uh, anywhere an average from two eighty to three hundred, mm-hmm. anywhere in that range. And if you get that. With the little bit of RBIs he's going to give you, he'll probably give you around 60 to 70 RBIs. He arguably would be the best player in fantasy. Yeah, I was going to say, if he gets to projections like that, which, you know, this is a flaw at times uh, mm-hmm. in fantasy baseball, is we take what he'll do over a 98-game season and kind of prorate that over mm-hmm. 160 games. But Mike's right. If he can get to those numbers, it's not he could be. He would be right. the number one player in fantasy baseball, right. or at least hitter. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, stolen bases are very, very hard to come by. So, I mean, you take guys like Trey Turner, guys like D. Gordon, guys like Billy Hamilton. Now, these are guys that I think that you can almost pencil them in for 50-plus stolen bases. I mean, how important are they? I mean, kind of like in my very early, and I'm very early in my uh, my research and, and strategy in terms of what I want to do, I almost want to try to get at least one of these three guys to know that I have a solid base for stolen bases for the season. Yeah, that's not a bad way to go about it. In my article that I wrote on Roto Experts this past week where I discussed the, the lack thereof stolen bases in baseball, I say you need to have a set plan, whether it's grabbing one of these guys early or you know targeting like three guys in the middle rounds that are actually going to give you 20 because there's not many that do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I Of the three you mentioned, 
Billy Hamilton is the one I have the least amount of interest in, just mm-hmm. because D. Gordon last year was really elite in three of the five categories, and that's more than Billy Hamilton can mm-hmm. say. He hit 300, D. Gordon. He scored 114 runs, I believe, and stole, led the league in, with 60 stolen bases. Mm-hmm. So if you're getting three and he's elite been consistent numbers over the years too, you know yeah. even even that one year where he missed the, about half of the season because of the steroid uh, issue, he yeah. hits thirty stolen bases and like you said he he's like a lo- almost like a lock for two ninety plus batting average you know and ninety those are, runs those are the three hardest stats to fill I yes. would say home runs, runs are runs up is we something know that. I always end up. You know, struggling to try to catch up. Home on, runs are up, to, and, yeah. and if home runs are up, RBIs are up, yeah. and scoring's yeah. up. Mm-hmm. But average a two ninety is great because the league average last year was about two fifty four in that mm-hmm. range. So to be at a three hundred or two ninety, that that's great production. You're getting three plus plus cat categories. And another big thing is D Gordon's going to be eligible in the outfield too this year. Yeah, so Out, he'll have his second base second. eligibility mm-hmm. from last year, and then he'll gain outfield probably after the first week of the season when he gets mm-hmm. his five games under his belt. Uh, but Mike's right. Those three categories that D. Gordon provides are the hardest ones to fill. Mm-hmm. And then later on in, in drafts, for example, Jay Bruce, we just spoke about this guy. Round 12 he went in Mike in the Beat Mike Florio mm-hmm. League, um, and he gives you the two categories that D. D. Gordon doesn't. Right. He gives you home runs, <laughs> and he gives you RBIs. But if you're trying to find a guy who gives you batting average, stolen bases, and runs on scoreboard in round 12, yeah. it's not going to be there for you. Yep. So... You know, that's why it makes more sense to attack the stolen bases and the runs and average early on. Mm-hmm. And you kind of fill your power in later on with guys like a Jay Brewers, whatever it might be. Feels good talking uh, fantasy baseball. We'll be back with more baseball talk on Weekend Fantasy Update. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. And we're back on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. Stay tuned for the producers. Pete Gutsidori hanging out with us, getting ready. They're going to be uh, doing a uh, a movie review of Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. That's a, a new weekly segment of theirs. They're going to be uh, reviewing movies. What, what's it called, Pete? The Fantasy Producers Movie Club. How do I join? Do I have to... Do I have to is there an application I should fill out? or? Okay. All right. You, we'll, you fill me in. All right. <laughs> um, so uh, we talked about Trey Turner and stolen bases. Uh, Trey Turner went sixth overall. Uh, in the time remaining, Giancarlo Stanton went seventh overall. Um, are you surprised that he went that early? No. I, I mean, I would have went Bryce Harper probably mm-hmm. over him, but after that, I think Giancarlo's fine right there in the discussion. Power's up, but, you know, if you could still get almost 60 out of a guy, that's mm-hmm. obviously a big... Plus, he scored a ton of runs last year in the Marlins lineup. Now he's going to be probably hitting second or third for the Yankees. The RBI's opportunity's going to still be there. And the average, I, I, he might take a little bit of a hit mm-hmm. because the outfield is much smaller than it was in Miami, but still, I mean, he hit in the 280s last year. Right In the, uh, in the Betts versus Stanton argument, which side do you guys... Go towards. Uh, I, that one is really because close. Because Betts could 
Theoretically, He'll help you in all five categories. Yeah, I think I go uh, with not him to the same extent that, Stanton that Stanton will, but you know what scares me about Betts is does he believe in himself? There was like a, a quote in an article, I think from the Boston Globe last year, and he said that you know I might have had the best season uh, that I'm ever going to have in my career. Talking about the year I, prior, I don't think he's wrong. Yeah. I think I said it coming into last year, like 2016. I would not be surprised if that mm-hmm. is his career year, right. and his numbers really fell across the board. Yeah, except for stolen bases. I think the steals are for real. Mm-hmm. He can get you 26. The power, I think, is more going to be like last year than it was two years ago when he hit 31. Mm-hmm. And the counting stats, the the runs and the ribbies, obviously went down because the Red Sox weren't the best lineup in baseball anymore. Mm-hmm. He took David Ortiz away, a couple other pieces. If they get J.D. Martinez, that obviously will help that again as well. But I think Mookie Betts is better all around. But John Carlos Stanton is so elite in a couple of categories mm-hmm. that... I'm okay going him as well. Like to me, it's really a coin flip between the two of them. It's almost like let's say if you could get a Giancarlo Stanton, you guaranteed 45 plus home runs, and then yeah. maybe like a couple of rounds later, maybe you get Billy Hamilton, and you guaranteed 50 stolen bases. It's almost like you're attacking the one, specific categories, right? right? The one thing for bets is that it's easier to find power, mm-hmm. so that like you can get the steals, you can get the average, and the the runs and the RBIs. Where you're going to get everything but steals out of Giancarlo, but mm-hmm. which one of those two cat sets are easier to find? The, the 20 plus steals or the extra. 30 home runs. I would say the extra 30 you home runs. You asked the question, Frank, where do you yeah. stand on this? Did you? I, I, I would actually go bets. Mm-hmm. I think the 264 batting average is kind of an anomaly. 292 mm-hmm. batting average over his career. Uh, and his 268 BABIP was extremely low last year, which I found weird because it's batted ball profile. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, it, it shows that there should have been a little bit more growth uh, even in his average. I mean, Highest hard hit rate of his career, 35%, hitting the ball more in the air, uh, but his home run to fly ball ratio went down. So I think there is actually growth for his batting average mm-hmm. uh, to bounce back a little bit. I think getting him at you know, that 7-8 range is actually a little bit of a discount. So I would side with bets, but it is close. We have less than a minute left, but Mike, anything out of this draft, and we'll go over it, you know, continue to analyze it as weeks go on and as we continue to cover fantasy baseball. Anything quick that you stood out at you? Yeah, you need to be ready to grab pitching this year. It cannot be like in years past where, you know, you could start getting a pitcher in the fifth, sixth round. Like, you need to have two pitchers, I would say, in the first four or five picks and and continue to load up on arms as the draft goes on. All right, stay tuned for the producers. Thanks for tuning in. Weekend Fantasy Update on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. For Frank Stample, for Mike Flory, I'm Joe Galina. Thanks for tuning in.